Hey everybody, thank you for choosing the Richlands Tabernacle Podcast. Right here every Thursday you will hear two new sermons from the church that were delivered either by Pastor Horton or one of the other ministers from the church. We hope you enjoy. God bless. Are you happy to be in the Lord's house? My, my, my. It's good to be in the Lord's house. It's always a privilege. We don't get to come by very often, but it's always a privilege when we do have the opportunity to come here and to worship with you precious people. My, everything looks so nice. And we thank you for everything, the opportunity to stand here. I told my wife a few days ago, I said, Sister Turner, we're going to leave town and get out of, there's an old saying, get out of Dodge. I don't know where it come from. We're gonna, you ever heard it? You ever heard Oh, okay. We're not that far north. Oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds like a southern saying, don't it? Get out of Dodge. So we just going to get out of Dodge. I'm not taking my preaching Bible with me. We're going to just relax. Well, first stop, UAB Birmingham Hospital. <laughs> and uh, but I did bring a Bible with me. I didn't go. I don't go far without one. But I didn't bring my preaching Bible, so if it don't roll too good, it's I didn't have the right Bible. But it's good to be in the Lord's house. I want to commend you for such a wonderful spirit of worship. One of the first things I run into was Sister Naomi. She said, "I pray for you." Whew, I like that. I like folks that pray for me. Amen. And I can tell all of you. We've been praying for y'all. We've been calling your name, Sister April. We believe in God. We believe in God. I, I, I like the praying part. I like it from the time we got up here and said, let's come pray. I like that. I like to find a church that still believes in praying. We live in a sophisticated world. We live in an intelligent world. I have associations quite a bit with a very intelligent doctor. He has what I'd call a photographic memory. Uh, I have a senior memory. And, but uh, anyway, uh, one day I told him, I said, you got to be careful, son. I said, all that education and all that money you got will make you arrogant if you ain't careful. He said, what'd you say? I repeated it to him. He reminds me every now and then. It did him a little good, I think, maybe. But uh, I, I don't care how smart you are, Brother James. I know you're smart. I know a lot of folks who are smart. I understand that. Brother Phillips one of the smartest fellas I ever met in my life. But, uh, boy, he knows that history, don't he? Woo, he knows it. And, you know, he, he, he's, well, I, I better, you know, uh, Borum said that the introduction was kind of like the front porch. So if y'all don't mind, I'll have a little front porch, Sister Doris. Sister Doris. Sister Doris. It's good to see you. <laughs> Everybody give her a good hand. I, I, I was prodding my wife a little bit. And I said, now what's his sister's name? And she said, uh, I said, she said, just call her sister last name. I said, well, I got in trouble with that with a lady sitting over here one time. Yeah. She said, my name is Aranda. <laughs> you remember that? You did. You did. No, it's okay. I had never forgot it. I just called her sister Vance, sister Vance. She said, my name's Aranda. <laughs> that sound like her? <laughs> it was good for me. Sister Carolyn. I looked at my, I ain't going to tell her. Sister Turner just said, call her Sister Horton. I won't tell her who she's talking about. But it's good to be here. And Sister Varney. Wanda Varney. If I ever come to Richlands and you don't get up and walk around and worship the Lord, I'm going to stop the service if I have anything to do with it 
and tell them, I want you to get up and walk around and worship God. Come on here. Somebody say amen. amen. When I get through my little bitty tiny preaching tonight, you're going to understand why I'm already preaching, actually. Yeah. yeah. We get too smart. They, in our ear, they say too smart for your britches, but I don't know if that's proper or not. Let's don't ever get so sophisticated. We don't make room. This young fella up here in the back, where is he at? in the back winding up up there. He was dancing around a little bit. And I said, going somewhere, going somewhere, going somewhere. And all of a sudden, he broke out and ran. There he is right there. Brother Ryan. Brother Ryan, I appreciate that. I go to some places, I'm telling you, it's deader. And what Brother McDonald say? Last year's bird nest. That's dead, ain't it? Dryer and cracker juice. Oh, Brother Bill, let's have church when we go to church. You know why? Because we need to have church when we go to church. Amen, amen. I know y'all are wore out, but if you would, stand with me and turn to the book of St. Luke in the second chapter, and we're going to have the Christmas story. It's never wrong. It's never the wrong time. To go in this direction. St. Luke chapter 2. And uh, for your sake. Verse 7. Since you already know the story. Verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son. Wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this wonderful church that we love, pastor, church members, family members. We love each and every one, Lord. And I wish, Lord, I could even, Lord, say something tonight to help. And it would just be, it would bless my heart if I could see somebody blessed. Lord, help these precious people. And uh, anoint your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I was coming up the road, had no intentions of preaching. I get like that sometimes. And uh, I kept hearing a couple of words in my mind. Brother James, and I said, well, I'll get home. I'll think on that, work on that. And then yesterday I got a little phone call from my precious Brother Philip. Oh, I love Brother Philip. If you don't love Brother Philip, there's something you need to pray through. And Sister Carolyn. When I say one, I mean both. That's right. And I'm thankful to have my precious bride of a little old, about 50 and a half years. We've been mad. Give Sister Turner a good hand, would you? She's had a lot to deal with. She's a great wife. We've been pastoring 45 years at the same church. You don't know us. And uh, the Lord's been good. We told our folks when, uh, earlier today if we could find somebody to have us, we might not come back. But we doubted seriously anybody else would want to know set of codgers like us we the old school old fashioned but God spoke a couple of words to my heart and the, no room no room no room and I, I said well that ain't going to work at Rick's lands these folks are saved sanctified and full of the Holy Ghost so I wasted some brother Philip called me he said I heard you coming up our way be ready to preach well, it's ugly to tell somebody you ain't going to preach. It's never about unsanctified, you know. And so I go, well, okay, we'll see. So I get in my uh, room, and, and I start scratching. I, I didn't have a notebook. I had to start writing on some of that free paper over at Super 8. I had to borrow one of them pads from them. And I, I'm, I'm, you know... I'm not like some of these great preachers that y'all have. I mean, they can just spit it out, but I got to get me something to work off of every now and then. Uh, 
I'll forget what book I'm in. <laughs> so come on here. And so, uh, man, I, I don't forgot what it was. I built me up a pretty nice one, and I got done with it, and I started to throw it in the garbage. I said, I give up, Lord. I'm going to preach on. What, what, Brother Vance, are you Joseph or David? That's right. I, I told myself that was right. <laughs> I ought to know, shouldn't I? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Brother David. I, I told myself I just will give up and try to preach what the Lord wants me to have. But I don't want to sound negative. I'm trying to be a little more politically correct in this day and hour. So I'm trying to think of a new title while I'm scratching around up here. I, 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 think, I could think of a lot of things about how we don't make room for the Lord, you know. And uh, I said, but Lord, these are good folks. These are good folks. So I'm trying to think, Brother David, what do you think about uh, let's preach on, let's make a little more room for it. That sounds a little more politically correct. I don't ever want to be mean. I, I was mean in my early days, like a bulldog. But I've learned that if you don't preach holiness with tears in your eyes, that it won't work. So I'm not here to beat you over the head. I'm, in, I'm here to encourage you. We are winding up. Sudan's make it. Boy, here's the a, here's a Bible prophecy preacher right here. They tell me Sudan's make it a deal. I already got a deal made with Russia so that Russia can put a military base right there on the Red Sea. Huh? Ezekiel 38. We're coming right down to the end. We're coming right down to the end. And before I get through tonight, I hope we can realize how imperative it is and how important it is that we make room for him. Oh, it's a Christmas message. I heard all the negative thoughts come running through my mind. But let's look over and take a little more scripture with us as we go along here. John chapter 1, and you don't have to turn there unless you'd like to. Verse 10, 1 and 10 said, He was in the world. And the world was made by him, and the world, quoted preachers, knew him not. But it progresses. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. That's why I have to have notes. So let's back up just a little bit here. The world, we know it was made by him. And the world... Knew him not. But verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. That's stronger than verse 10, when they knew him not. Now, this is a willful rejection. I, I don't know how I'm going to tie these two verses of Scripture. We got his birth here, and then we got it further over. But the more I thought about the life of Jesus, it was a life of rejection. No room. He came into this world, left the splendor of heaven and all its magnificence and glory. He left all that and came down here where he was not wanted. Wasn't well received. No room for him. Room. For you scholars, I, I have to look this stuff up. It, in the Greek, topos. That word room, no room, 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 no spot, no space, no place. And that word in comes from a Greek word, kataluma, a lodging place, a place of breaking up a journey, a guest chamber. There was no room. Even though this was a, the inn was a place of rooms, there was no room for him. We all got a heart. My wife, she does sing. She sings a song sometimes. Is there a secret place in your heart? And I don't want to get off on that too much. Where even you don't like to go. You know, you've heard that song. But our, our heart is like an inn. It's got chambers. And that's, that's what they had in this, these type inns in those days. Like little chambers for different people in different places and animals to go different sections 
But we're not going to get too much into all that tonight. We don't have time, and you don't want to be bored that long. But on that night, no doubt that inn had rooms, or it wouldn't have been called an inn. They had rooms for the wealthy. They had rooms for the elite. They had room for the merchants. They had room. Let's get this down to where we're living because it won't be doing any good if we don't get it down to where we're living. But room for social media. All we've heard is we wore out on it. Hello? But room for our sports. Now, hold on. Pastor and I have had no conversations. He said, will you preach? I said, I'll preach. I said, I don't, well, I didn't answer right then. I said, well, all I hoped for was to maybe spend a few minutes with you and just to see you and love on you a little bit and have a cup of coffee with you. That's all I hoped for on this trip. I'd see the Vances and the Cardinals, our friends, and you a minute, and then I'll be gone. He said, well, I want you to preach. That's it, end of conversation. We didn't get that coffee. That's all right. He didn't have time, and I didn't either, because I was down there trying to find a, get, get rid of that one and get back on this that the Lord laid on my heart. So now, would you accept it and not blame the pastor? You see, I pastor a church, and my people face the same devil you face. When I preach in Brazil or somewhere like that, I preach the same way I do here. People are people. Sometimes I've preached down there, and they go out, and they say, well, not this. Oh, you're a prophet. You're a prophet. You come down here and don't know anybody and you preach. No. No. Same devil. People face the same battles. And I'm here to encourage you. So don't you get upset about what I'm trying to get on to tonight a little bit. Don't get upset with it. But if we're not careful, we're going to fill our hearts and our chambers. Those chambers in our heart, we're going to fill them up with things. And we're not going to have any room left. Am I saying that sweet enough? Now, Pastor, I don't ever want to cross and anything you wouldn't want me to say. Ah, so let's don't pick on you. Let's pick on the innkeeper for a little while. He's probably one of the most maligned fellows in the Bible. He's been picked on a lot of times, but always trying to take these things and learn from them. And uh, was that a good word I used? Oh, okay. I, make sure I don't use words like that very often. Now, I am real serious, but it's all right. It's all right to be serious and communicate. Okay? All right, okay. Where was we at? The innkeeper. So I, I wrote down some things I thought might, might have been his problem that hindered him. Oh, maybe he's too busy. You pretty busy, Brother David? You ever think you might get too busy sometime? Huh? I hear, you know, I hear a little stuff every now and then. Uh, <laughs> so, number one, maybe he was too busy ringing up the cash register. And here approach, he's approached by this young lady. Some of our coming, Terry says she was barely 15. Anyway, we'll agree she is young, Mary, and she is uh, uh, with child and Joseph, and they approach, and it seems to me probably he's, he's possibly so busy, he hardly even looks up. He's busy. He's busy. But Turner, don't you know I'm busy? You take all the loads you can off this pastor. As we get older, Brother James, I'm going to pick on you a lot tonight. <laughs> you, you, you almost family, so anyway, let's take all we can off of this pastor. Because as we get older, our slips, steps get slower. Amen. And I don't think Brother Art would mind me saying so. But he said, when I came in from work so tired tonight, it felt, so I believe he said something like I was grilled to that recliner. 
I know that feeling. It's one of my favorite places. I mean, I used to, uh, in my early days of pastoring, you, I know you don't believe it, but I'd have a bunch of kids out there. I remember I had 23 boys one evening, one Saturday evening, out a little deal playing with them. We had something like Royal Rangers, you know, something similar to Boy Scouts. We had a program, and I'd get those boys out there and challenge them to a race, and I'd run backwards. And I'd outrun those boys and run backwards. And I loved, I loved, I loved to play sandlot ball. That's a southern term, I guess, sandlot, okay? Sandlot, okay. I enjoyed it. And so I couldn't imagine back then, I couldn't imagine those kids being out there hitting a softball. Or I hope I'm not, am I offending anybody? But I did it. I did it. I got out there and played with them, volleyball, softball. And uh, I won't go any further than that. I had to stop that bunch of bruisers from getting out there and playing tackle football. And no, I talking to some of them the other day. I said, y'all would have been invalids in your wives and I had to go to work. If I hadn't stopped y'all, you'd kill each other. <laughs> but, you know, now somebody said, I say, where are all the young folks at? Lean back in my recliner. And they say, they out there playing. I said, well, I'm glad for them. They probably need to exercise. But, you know, I'm not even tempted anymore. But I just couldn't imagine that, Brother Bill. But if we're not careful, how do I get off on that? Are you too busy? Well, i got a lot of questions to ask you tonight. I want you to answer me. Are you too busy? Are you too busy? I know, son, you got to climb that social ladder. I know you got to make a million dollars. I know if you don't, you're going to get left behind. Your house is not going to be as nice as a neighbor's house. You're not going to have four vehicles sitting in the yard. Maybe this innkeeper was a little too busy. Now, some of you that never heard me preach. After all that polished preaching that comes out of this pulpit, you're in for a rude awakening. I'm just as country as cornbread. <laughs> too busy, too busy, hobnobbing, too busy. Are you too busy? You know, a while back, this eats me up. We pray, Lord, show me what you want me to do. Well, his word tells us what he wants us to do. He wants us to go in the highways and hedges and compel them to come into the house of God. This is the house of God. This is you break, This is central. And I was over in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and uh, I believe we had pulled up to Krispy Kreme. Yeah, I don't know. I know y'all don't know what that is, but uh, that's a little place down south where they make little round things of flour and sugar. And uh, we'd pulled up there, and somebody had got out of the vehicle. I forget who, and I was sitting in the vehicle, and here comes this homeless person with a backpack. I got a track in my pocket. I probably got a Bible nearby. Now, I got a confession to make. I rolled my window up. Woo. Woo. You just lost all confidence in me. I don't blame you. I just didn't feel like being bothered. Huh? I, can I just be real? I said, oh, and I actually said, Lord, don't let him bother me. Whoa, that's backslid there. Huh? And he walked on. And went window to window and skipped me. And I had just what he needed. I'm confessing. The Bible said confess your faults. Whew. Man, I got home, that's a hundred miles away, and it dawned on me what I had not done. Lord, have mercy on me. I tell you, it tore me. I'm still crying. It tore me up. And I got up in church and confessed it because I don't teach my people to do like that. 
I had a bad moment. Somebody says a human moment. But all of a sudden, I just didn't have no room for his word. Now, brother, they might want me to sit down now. (laughs) I don't know if my wife even knows this. I told it in the church. I described the man and somewhat of his backpack. And a few days later, one of the ladies in the church called me. And she said, Brother Turner, I think maybe I found your man. And I witnessed to him. She said, I was traveling through that same city. And she said, I was on the other side of the street at the shopping center from Krispy Kreme. But said, here comes this guy with a homeless and with a backpack type. You can spot him. And she took care of my business. So if he dies lost now, he's had a witness. But I missed my chance, sister. Don't miss yours. Are you too busy? It's just simple. It's simple. It ain't going to get no fancier. Uh, Maybe one of the reasons if we had interviewed this innkeeper and said, you know, after the fact now, do you... What's your excuses? Maybe he'd say, I wasn't expecting Jesus. I wasn't expecting him. Yeah. But you know what? There had been plenty of Old Testament prophecy. And for the sake of time in a well-taught church, we won't go all back through the Bible. But from uh, his birthplace is here. His uh, time is here and now. There's plenty of Old Testament prophecy that he'd be born at this time and at this place. The house of bread. The bread of life would be born at the house of bread. And we could have found, he could have found lots of scripture, but he wasn't expecting Jesus. Oh, Brother Bill Burkett said a many a time around me, he said, we don't know God because we don't read God's word. Well, what would, if you want to know how God would act, read his word. So my next question is, are you expecting Jesus? Now, you was worshiping tonight like you looking for him to come back. You were singing tonight like you're looking for one more mountain we get over and we're going to get healed. And we are, too. I like that. Uh, you know, I hear a lot of mumbo-jumbo a lot of places I go now. But give me some songs. Got some theology in it. Oh, Lord Jesus. Some of this stuff. Uh, my wife likes a little racket in the house. I ain't going to pick on her much because I want to stay with her another 50. But she likes... You know, we got one of them XM radios, and one of them channels is a, supposed to be a gospel station. She, she'll come through the house, she'll say, you turned my radio off again. I said, I couldn't handle that stuff. <laughs> and then the next time I come by, it'll be good. It'll be good stuff, you know, but I like that knob on it. You know, I can turn it off if it, you know. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> uh, some of this stuff that goes for gospel, it ain't much doctrine in it. It ain't got no room in it for Jesus, I mean. I mean, you going down the road in your 57 Chevrolet, I mean, just call it country and be done with it. Hello! But when you sing like you're singing up here tonight, now I can get in with that. You talk to me about that old rugged cross and won't it be wonderful there. If I could sing, I'd sing that. Won't it be wonderful there. Having no burdens to bear, joyously singing with heart bells all. Are you helping me, Aranda? Won't it be, Sister Aranda, full there? Are we okay? All right, I'm moving along. Y'all are helping me so good, I'm moving along. So the second question was, are you expecting Jesus? And the next point in our interview is, maybe this innkeeper saw no profit in Joseph and Mary. I grew up in business. 
I pretty much worked all my life, bivocational. I grew up, took a little church, four little ladies in it, and walls falling down. I had to work. And I never got out of the habit. I'm sorry. A lot of pre- preachers will preach against me and put me in the pit. But I've always worked. It's always happened. I got used to it. And uh, I try to always keep him first and foremost. And uh, anyway, we won't get into all that. But I've always worked. But you got to be careful. I realize and I see. Because now, it, my granddaddy took me in. You know, one of them old southern, now my mom and daddy didn't die, but my daddy got crippled up when I was a young fella. And if I wanted lunch money, I needed to earn it, okay, As in grade school. So I learned to work. And uh, so I'd have something to eat. And some clothes to wear. I bought my first pair of boots and so forth and so on. Had credit with a little old lady that was tougher than nails. And I had good credit with her because she knew I'd pay her. And I got my first pair of boots and so forth and so on. And paid them off. And uh, so when you, he went, and then my granddaddy was a horse trader. You don't know what a horse trader is, do you? He didn't have any horses, but he was a horse trader. I mean, he knew how to make a nickel. And he took me under his wings, and, man, he paid me $8 a day to fix flat tires all day long, $8. But he would give me the old tires that we took off. He said, now, if you want to learn how to make some money, you somebody comes along, can't buy a new tire here, you can sell that tire to him for a couple of dollars and charge him a little something to put it on, and I'll give you the money. So I learned how to work. He taught me a valuable lesson. You don't work, you don't eat. But, 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 now when I look at something, I want to know how much profit's in it. Uh-oh. A little danger there. Y'all with me? I mean, if I look at a piece of property or I look at a piece of equipment, son, I ain't giving $500 for it. It's just worth $500. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, so if we're not careful, that bleeds over into our spiritual life. And we don't make room for the spiritual things. And that innkeeper looked out there, and he saw an old ragged couple that had come a long way, dusty from the trail, probably needed a bath. And he looked at him and glanced up and said, I don't see any profit in them. So he sent them away. Okay. See, we look for temporal profit, not eternal. But Mark 8 and 36 brings us back to earth. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world? Now, through the years, Lord bless us, we got a little piece of property here, a little piece of property there, and so forth and so on. A drop in the bucket. And uh, <laughs> as we were driving up here, and I, was, I got to thinking about that. And I said, look at all these thousands and thousands and thousands of acres that we're passing by. If a man owned 1,000 acres, he wouldn't have a drop in the bucket. If he owned, like Mr. Gates or some of them, a million acres, still not a drop in the bucket. And then we still got to consider that eternal deal. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That gets personal. Whew, Brother Philip, I wish I could do better. But if I can just cause us to stop and think a little bit. I mean, I could have come in here and hammered down on how we, we don't have any room in our heart. But I'm asking you the question. I'll let you be the judge of that. Is there any room in... Is there any room in your heart for an unprofitable transaction? What was your name? Tramp for the Lord? What's your name? Thank you. Corten Boone. I like a little help. I've read quite a bit of her stuff. And uh, 
I visited Auschwitz, by the way. I've been there. Wow. I'll never forget it. You need to study history. Yeah, I've been there. I preached behind the Iron Curtain. You didn't know I was that old, did you? Yeah, I did. I can tell you some wonderful stories. It's one of the reasons I'm here today. Well, let's, let's don't go off on that rabbit trail. Let's stick with the notes. Uh, it was Cor Ten Boone's father. It was a watchmaker. You've heard this. I may have told this here. But I haven't got my notes telling me what I preached when I was here. So I done forgot. So maybe you have. I didn't bring any handkerchiefs with me. Anybody remember the hundred handkerchiefs? Boy, y'all like to broke me up. I kept buying handkerchiefs and kept buying handkerchiefs. Anyway, we had a time, didn't we? Cortin Boone's father was a watchmaker. He told Corey, he said, we got to pray. Rent's due. We can't make it unless we turn a certain amount of profit this month. She said, okay, Father, we pray. They prayed. A man walked in with a watch, laid it up on the counter. He said, this watch is a piece of junk. I bought it from one of your competitors, and it won't keep good time. Corey's daddy looked at it, and he said, I'm in the market for a good watch. And I want that one right over there. And it was one of the most expensive ones, and it'd take care of all their bills. But Corey's daddy said, Sir, would you allow me to take this watch apart and look at it? He said, Well, certainly. It's no good like it is. He went to the back and he popped the back off, and Corey's standing over watching. She sees what's going on, she's getting nervous. We prayed for a financial miracle. Now, Pa is about the father. Didn't you call him father? I hadn't read one of the books in a long time. But anyway, Papa. Somebody said, Papa. Thank you. We've got more readers here. Papa's over there taking that watch apart. He looks up and he says to the prospective customer, he said, Sir, this is a fine watch. And it only needs a minor adjustment. Would you allow me permission to adjust it? Right, yeah. He adjusted it. They tested it. It was perfect. He laid the watch back up there. And the gentleman said, well, I don't guess I need that new watch. He said, no, you don't need it. This is a good watch. And he left. When that little bell clanged on the doors, he went out. Papa, we prayed for a miracle. And God sent us one, and you let it walk out the door. He looked at her, and he said, Corey, we must never profit at the expense of a brother. Now, wait a minute. That don't mean you go in business and you buy, uh, what can I say that nobody does here? You buy bicycles and you sell bicycles. You've got to add some profit to it to stay in business. So I'm not crazy. Okay, okay, everybody all right now? But we just got to make certain that we never take advantage of a brother or anyone else. I was in sales a long time. So, all stuff. You didn't go pay a dollar for it and sell it for a dollar and make a profit and stay in business. You got to keep your doors open. So, so all right, okay. Got to get back to my notes. See, if I didn't have my, y'all would be in trouble. You'd go to sleep on me. So, what about them children you pick up and bring to church? Do you still do that? Y'all still bring children in? You see a profit in them? 
Financially? No. Spiritually? Yes. And there's a difference. And that's what we got to be worried about. Uh, that's enough of that. Let's go to his next question. And, and, and there are not many more. He didn't, maybe, he didn't recognize who this baby would be. So, I got to hurry. How long have I been preaching? I forgot to notice. 20, 30, 40 minutes is too long? Too long? Huh? I, I, I'd hurry. Uh, uh, Matthew, Matthew. He didn't recognize who this baby would be. Matthew 25. And let me try to hurry through that so I can paraphrase it a little bit. I'm a pastor, and I get nervous about being too long. Uh, verse 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, he's got the sheep on his right and the left, goats on the left, come you blessed of the Father, inherit the kingdom. Verse 35, he said, For I was a hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I, do you recognize, see, back to Krispy Kreme in Hattiesburg, I didn't recognize who that man was. So I'm human, I'm failed. And see, he flips that thing around. Lord, when did we see thee hungry and fed thee or thirsty? He's, when saw we thee a stranger and took thee in our naked? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison? I'm sure you got prison ministries, you got nursing home ministries, probably street ministries. That's great. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Now, I ain't got to go back and get that other side of that coin because this is good enough. Is there any room in your heart for Jesus? The homeless, the poor, the wretched. One of my uh, weak points, I have many, but one of my weakest points is patience with drug addicts because I have such a poor record with them. But let me tell you one. Prayer cloth. Somebody got a prayer cloth all ago. Who got the prayer cloth all ago? Raise your hand. There you are. I believe in them. There's a young man in our community who was raised in church as a little boy. The short story is he got out of church, got out in the world. Oh, he's, uh, when he was barely out of high school, and he's probably in his 50s now. So it's been a while back. He went right out of high school, so intelligent. He was making $45 an hour. That's big money down our way. Even now, that's real good money. That's a long time ago. And he was working 200 men under him in construction and a paper mill, just probably 19 years old. He found favor with the company owners. He was their pride. He was their pride and joy. And he got on drugs, he got on Friday night, snored his whole paycheck up for the weekend, come back in, wake up the laborers that made $10 an hour or whatever and borrow money from them. He became notorious as one of the biggest drug heads in our area. He ran from the law, he had trouble with the law, he, he was known in the judicial system. I know I've been to jail, I've been to court. And uh, he was just and so likable. The DA's wife bailed him out of jail. I mean, I could tell you, you could talk his way. You talk about smooth, woo, con artist. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, his mama got him a prayer cloth. He put that prayer cloth in his billfold. He's down around Miami, Florida, and a gang, they had a flat on the vehicle. And a gang of thugs came up with big old guns and robbed and was going to kill them, probably. 
leave no witnesses. And when they come to him and demanded his billfold, he pulled his billfold out. And he said, in this billfold is a prayer cloth. And he said, you're not getting it. You can have the billfold. But I will take the prayer cloth out. It diffused the whole situation. That's all I tell you. And today he's saved. He don't live real close to me, but every Sunday morning, sometimes well before daylight, he texts me accountable and says, I'm up praying, preacher. Praying, preacher. So what looks like an unprofitable situation. Y'all bored yet? Some of these big wheels that I know of that in the construction business, I have several guys that are superintendents and, and, and in that field of work, they have to go in these paper mills and they have to be accountable to somebody that's construction engineer. Somebody's over it, you know. If you get a bid, you got to, you know how it works. Y'all know. Anyway, I remember one story. His name is Kevin. I'll give you his name. First name's Kevin. Kevin got fired off the job in that mill, took to prison, drugs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He, he was working on construction in the mill, not as a personnel of the mill. But when he was lost, he got done some time, and, he, and then a few years went by, and somebody walked in, and they said, you'll have to report to Kevin in order to get this bid and work. And he goes in there and he opens the door and it's a man that he knew. He said, my, I don't know what all he said, but he said, I got to report to you. How'd you get this job? They said, they wouldn't even hire you if you ever got caught smoking a joint. But he got hired. And now he hires and fires <laughs> and says who can work and who can't work. So, this is spiritual now. I'm not just telling you some little tales up here. Uh, he was profitable. And so that situation, it looks so unprofitable, Brother Bill. Sometimes it's different than we think. All right, all right. Maybe he didn't want him. I'm going to hurry here. Maybe he just didn't want him. See, it's a choice. It's your choice. But we've already spoke about it. It seems like from the time he got here, then he had to flee into Egypt. Always somebody, there wasn't room for him. No room, no room. Even the Pharisees, the church, the religious group didn't want him. Nobody wanted him. And we can go all the way to crucifixion. Give us Barabbas. I'm closing because I'm losing you. I'm closing. Give us Barabbas. What about it? What about it? Is there any room? Have you got room for him? He said, if any man be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross. Now, I got a statement somewhere I can't skip because the Lord gave it to me today. You know, do you want him as a Savior? Now, 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 here it is. Here it is. I wrote this down. I made sure if I forgot everything else, I don't want to forget this. Listen to this. We work so hard at being accepted by the world. One more pastor walking here and he get up in this pulpit and he say, Sister, I don't want you running around in this church anymore. Uh, son, don't you come off that platform running anymore. It don't take but one pastor. Don't, I know what I'm talking about now. You'll lose every bit of this. Well, son, you just don't understand, but we got the, we got the banker coming now. We got the mayor coming now. We don't want to upset the apple cart. We, 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 we. And we've studied this thing out. We put the pencil to it. There's just some things about God's work that you can't put the pencil to. You can't put the computer to it. 
our, our, what was that? We work so hard at being accepted by the world. Since his own received him not, let us not think it strange if they receive us not. I'm one of his. Give me that old hymn, I am thine, O Lord. I'm one of his. I'm a tongue talker. I'm a tongue talker. Sister Turner and I went in a little restaurant up in Hollywood, Alabama. The reason is it's that little restaurant. I got a great grandbaby lives up there. And we went by there the other day and we had a little meal with my granddaughter Brianna and Matt and McKenna. And I was telling Matt, I said, Matt, we came in here months ago and there's some teenagers just saw how the girls are dressed and they got over and started mocking the Holy Ghost. Yeah, they knew something about Pentecost because they got over and started jibber-jabbering and mocking the Holy Ghost. Ooh, 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 ooh. Those boys, I hope they're still alive. God have mercy on them. See, the world can't see any profit in it. They can't see the good in it. They can't. And if you don't watch it, you'll backslide to the point you don't see it. Hello. Let me tell you. Let me tell you one time when I was younger, I had a little lady. Y'all know anything? You ever heard the term pupwood? She was a pupwooder. She'd go to the bar and arm wrestle all the guys. Beat them. She was tanned from working out in that sun. She was a brown, real brown, uh, and tough as nails. Boy, that woman was bad. She'd fight. Pup wood. We talking about the kind you used to cut up in sticks and load by hand. Now they load it with machines. She, she was before that. And you know what happened? That woman got saved. She got saved, and she lived her religion like she did her world, wide open. And she sat about the second bench right there, and she'd get happy when I'd say, Jesus is good. She'd come out there shouting. I mean, she'd carry on till I got a little aggravated. I got to thinking, boy, I got this great message today. And this woman's going to shout so, and she could shout loud and heavy and hard. She's a big bone lady. And uh, man, it got so bad. She shouted so much and so loud they couldn't hear what I had to say. And what I had to say I thought was real important. And so I went to my pastor who was my father. And I said, Daddy, Sister Katie Merle is shouting so much and so loud, they can't hear me preach. Woo. You know what he said, Sister Darth? He looked at me and he said, Son, it'll come a day you wish you had her back. That's all he said. Oh, Lord, I believe I could take her offering up every service if I could get her back. And she done went on to glory. She looked so unprofitable. But when she got saved, she quit pupwooding. And she got big old pots and pans. And she'd cook a big old pot of dumplings and get her a big old dipper. And some bowls and put the lid over everything. She'd go from house to house. See into the sea. I almost killed her. I almost run her off. Because I couldn't see Jesus. 
I didn't have room for it. Preacher didn't have room for it. We ain't careful. We'll, we'll do these things. We had a drought. Trees, oak trees started dying one spring. Pine trees turning brown in the tops. It wasn't nothing but dust in people's gardens. I'm telling you the God's truth. It got so dry, everybody's garden died. Except Sister Katie, mom. And it was just as pretty and green. And her butter beans and peas made right on. She shared with everybody. I went, I mean, I went and looked at her. God don't even have to have a rain to grow a garden. You do. But God don't. And God said, that's my garden. That ain't much preaching, I know. It's all I got. Huh? We work so hard sometimes to be accepted by the world. And who but God, oh, I like that song, who but God could make Sister Katie Merle's garden stay green in them. I am not lying to y'all. Everybody's garden died but hers. And I had some good gardeners in the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. I'm going to close. One little illustration. No room. I cannot get on that topic without thinking about a little illustration I used preaching the little Christmas sermon one time we've all probably preached on that text at Christmas maybe Christmas is coming early I don't know it's all God gave me there was a little school program and they were going to do this drama school program a uh, little Christian program back used to when they could do this and uh they were going to have the baby Jesus born in the manger and so forth. And this one little boy, his name was Wally. He was special. Okay? He was a very special child. So they, we got to give Wally a part. We can't hurt him. We can't slide him. So they said, ah, oh, we'll let him be the innkeeper. All he has to say is, no room. So, okay. We practice, we practice. Wally's got it down pat. They come up. Mary and Joseph comes up looking for a room. And he looks at them and he says, no room. And then, you know, the drama ends. And everybody stand, would you? Would you everybody stand? It makes you feel like I'm quitting. Does everybody stand. I'm serious. Let's stand. Well, James, I'm going to give it to you in a minute, so you'll be thinking. Uh, Wally's, Wally's got it. No room. All right. The house is packed. The little town's proud of their little school. It's packed to capacity. And we go through the program, and here comes Mary and Joseph. They come up to little Wally. They walk in there, and they ask for a room, and Boy, they are, these kids are into it tonight. Even Mayor and Joseph, they're really into it. And uh, can we get a room? We need a room. He said, no room. No room. And they, they, Mayor and Joseph got into it, and the tears running down their face, and they turned to walk away sorrowfully. And little Wally comes running down. He said, wait, wait, wait. You can have my room. Huh? I wonder would anybody give him their room? Huh? Oh, if any man be my disciple. Huh? Little Wally got into it. No, he didn't mess it up. He fixed it up. <laughs> Come on, Brother James. I, I, huh? I'm, I'm done. I'm through. 
I'm just wondering as we stand here tonight and somebody gets us a little music, could we examine ourselves? Could we ask ourselves these questions again? Is there room in my heart for Jesus? And remember, oh, Kevin didn't look much like Jesus when I kept going to the jail with him. And I'd tell the warden, I said, if you ain't careful, he'll be the warden here in six months. He's just that kind of fella. They'd have him over everything. He'd ride, Like Joseph did, he'd rise to the top, only he wasn't a Joseph fella. Can you, can you think of somebody God's been laying on your heart that don't seem profitable? Oh, buddy. Have you ever rolled your window up and said, Lord, don't let them bother me? Lord, I was walking through an airport. Ten years or so ago, I was walking through an airport in Minneapolis, Minnesota, I believe it was. The weather was bad, and we'd been diverted. I was headed into Canada. We were walking through an airport, and I'd been, by God's providence, I'd been invited on a paid trip to Saskatchewan, and I'll let you figure out the rest of it. And... uh the CFO of this company, chief financial officer, we'd been talking. He's a big old bruiser guy, man, big football professional type fella. CFO of the company had 30 secretaries working for him, 30 secretaries. And uh, we was walking along there, and we hitting all this bad weather, and it was diverting us, tornadoes were hitting. And, and I said something like, well... I remember a time in 1987, I was behind the Iron Curtain, and I was in Warsaw, Poland. It came time for me to leave. He carried me to the airport, and the guy had been gone four hours. didn't have no money left. I'd give all my money away. No credit cards, no cell phones. I had maybe that much pocket change. And that was it. Sat there four hours. Finally, I could understand. They called my flight number. I started through the turnstiles, and the customs got me. And they pulled me back. It was very common for them to bump somebody off a flight because you only had a, one flight every few days from Warsaw to New York. No more than one a day. I know for sure. I remember that. So anyway, it looked like they was going to bump me off that flight. But at the last minute, Somebody in charge, clear across the room over yonder, looked over there, kind of looking, and somebody yelled out something to him, and he done like this. That meant stamp it. Let him go. And I took off running. And I got on that plane. And that's the, these was the big guys with the overcoats. Warsaw, Poland. You didn't want to be there. I had nothing, no way. Anyway, all right. I made it into New York, laid over, JFK, and I started getting phone calls. My wife was getting phone calls. The planes crashed coming out of Warsaw. The next flight out, got off the ground, went down, 269 people died. I was walking through this airport, and I, I somehow that little story come up, and that big old guy looked down at me. I said, so I reckon God had something else for me to do. <laughs> you know, and I'm just bombing around. And he looked down at me, this guy that's as whirly as whirly can be, you know, and he said, well, the question is, have you done it? Mm. <sighs> Next year, I was in Brazil, and in Croatia, and in Brazil three times, and on and on. I I took it to heart. I had not been making room. I'd been too busy hitting the cash register. Come on, come on, come on now. I'd been too busy with the cash register. I called Brother Burkett up. I said, you've been inviting me for 20 years. Let's get it. And so, my God, hit the doors. Never, never be able to fill them. Old Brother David's gone now, I think. Talked to him yesterday, said, I'm thinking, get on the plane and go. So much work over there, but there's so much work here. So much work here. 
I, I am closing. Those Brazilians have church, and Brother David's preaching in them. In Connecticut, we don't have a holiness church in Newport, Connecticut. We don't have a holiness church in Chicago, Illinois. We don't have a holiness church in Newark, New Jersey. We don't have churches in Long Island that I know of. They do. The Brazilian church does. Miami, Orlando, Trenton, Georgia, San Francisco. My interpreter, Pioneer Church is in San Francisco. He's in Vancouver, Canada, Pioneer now. But we don't. Why? The guy that most interprets for me, Brother Burkett introduced me to, he told me, he said, Brother Turner, I have worked for months to get all this paperwork done. Couldn't afford a lawyer. 400 pages, I think he told me, to get his visa. Well, me and you wouldn't have had a bit of trouble. Is there any room? I'm ending with a question. I'm ending. Is there room in your heart, your end, for the work of God? I hope to meet your son-in-law someday. I'm praying for him. I love missionaries. Let us come. Let's go. Let's go. I've dallied around long enough. Let's come. I started one day to follow Jesus, not caring for worldly fame. Just when it seemed that I couldn't make it, my head hung down in shame. The world all around me was offering its glitter, trying to dim my view. But I started out. I'm going to finish this race that I have begun. Oh, and though rough the road, though steep the curve, still I'm going right on. Though the rivers I cross may be so deep till it seems all hope is gone. Though the clouds hang low, though the thunder may roll, I 